episode number 99. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor-Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. So I was planning on sharing another story with you, but I decided to be spontaneous and share with you something that happened just last week. It's really funny. I mean, it always is when you look back on your stuck spots, right? Well, maybe not always, but a lot of time, it's just funny, at least for me. But before I begin, I'd like to read to you a beautiful email I received last week from a woman named Nina from Illinois. She wrote, Hi, Shira. How are you? I would like to join your Journeys group program if there is still time. I have been listening to your podcasts, and often I finish and ask myself, did she just do that podcast for me? You always seem to say the right thing at the right time based on what's happening in my life. What has been happening in my life is a lot. I'm running for office. I decided to take the plunge and run for our local school board. It's been a lot of hard work, but also very inspiring and scary. Elections are on April 2nd. Regardless of what happens, I'm so glad I pushed my boundaries and did this. You have been a part of why I decided to run. Aside from your podcasts, you have inspired me to just do it. I love that you are always trying new things, pushing yourself and sharing your stories with us. This year, I thought of what was the most scary thing for me to do, and it was run for office or get back into dating. I chose to run for office. Why do I want to do the journey program with you? Because self-care has really taken the back seat these last few months. I ended last year feeling a little bit empty because I did spend a lot of time on self-care, but I was missing the giving back part. Now I have definitely found a way to give back, but I want to integrate all the other things I've learned over the last few years. To be more present, to not get stuck, and to focus on what's important, not just what's most urgent. When I read you were opening the program for April, May, and June, I thought this would be a great chance after the elections to just focus again on being healthy mentally and physically. I look forward to working with you, Nina. Wow, wasn't that like the most heartwarming email? And in addition to that email, she also submitted an iTunes review for this podcast, And so, you can probably guess where I'm going with this, Nina is the winner of the free deck of consideration cards for this month. I will be drawing another winner in April, so if you would like your free deck, head over to iTunes to leave me a review. The directions on how to do that are in the show notes. So the doors are now officially closed for my online group program called The Journey, and three new participants are now joining, which I'm thrilled about and cannot wait to share more with you. 
So let's get into this week's story, shall we? So last week, we celebrated a holiday called Purim. This is a minor holiday, which is celebrated in a big way and basically commemorates the defeat of an evil man's plot to massacre the Jewish people. And there's a few ways that the holiday is meant to be celebrated. One of them is dressing up in costumes. Now, when I was a kid, at least to the best of my memory, all of the kids dressed up as characters from the Purim story. Like the girls dressed up as the queen who saved the story, and the boys dressed up as the evil man, or maybe they dressed up as the king. We didn't stretch too far from those characters. But nowadays, at least in Israel, it's like celebrating Halloween. Everything and anything goes. I mean, anything. The costumes at this point have little or practically nothing to do with the characters from the story themselves. Also, when I was a kid, I don't recall the entire family getting dressed up on this holiday. The kids did for sure, but I don't remember my parents getting dressed up. But where I live now, it only took me one Purim holiday to know that people were pretty serious here about this holiday. I mean, it's not just for the kids, it's for the adults too. So when I showed up to my first Purim holiday and I just put on like a simple mask and then I saw how far people went to make like incredible costumes, I was like, okay, next year, We are going to join the fun because, you know, I just had no idea. And year after year, I started thinking about what costume we would be because what I didn't mention and what's a pretty big point here is that the families would dress up as a family costume, not just dress up as individuals. And the people in my community would get really creative. And I am like all into this stuff. This is like such fun for me. I live for this stuff. So what I realized is that I started thinking about what costume we would be in like October. (laughs) Seriously, no joke. The holiday falls around March each year. And I'm already thinking about what we're going to be in like October. So we're a family of six, and it's not easy to think of a family costume for six. In fact, if an idea suddenly pops in your mind, please do email me and let me know. You'll save me a lot of headaches and hassle for next year. And who knows, maybe I'll even send you a deck of consideration cards if I use your idea. But basically, I know myself well. I know I tend to have an anxious and impulsive and excitable personality. And if I were to leave this to the last minute, I just know it wouldn't be good, you know? I just don't do well with last minute stuff. I do much better when I get things done ahead of time. So there we were in October, just a few months ago, and a great idea came to me. We were going to be cows. (laughs) No, seriously, I had this vision of sewing cow costumes because, you know, we have like 500 cows where we live, so it would really like fit the scene. And I had this vision of a Chinese dragon-like costume, you know, where the people go inside of it and they dance around. 
but it would be cows instead of a dragon. And I thought like two of us, maybe me and my husband could be like the big mama cow. And then two of the other kids would be a baby cow. And then the two leftover kids, not leftover, but you know what I mean? They would be, um, what do you call them? In Hebrew, you say raftan. I don't even know what it is. But the person who takes care of the cows, like they would be that role. Anyway, so you get the picture. I thought this would be a really cute idea and really clever and that the community would get a kick out of it because honestly, that's the whole point is like to make people laugh. And I thought it would be great. My husband liked the idea. My two older kids loved the idea, but my two younger sons hated it. They were like, we are not being cows. (laughs) Ugh. This is like being in the kitchen. You just can't cook for my family because nobody likes the same thing. Anyway, so I remember this day distinctly. I was driving my two younger kids home from their baseball practice and they were in the back seat saying they didn't want to be cows. And I was like, okay, fine. So what else can we be? What else is the number six? So we thought and we thought, And then another brilliant idea came to my mind. I said to them, I have a great idea. What if we dress up like another family in our community who is also a couple with four kids? That could be really funny. And my boys were intrigued and they asked, okay, who? And I said, the Harazis. And they smiled and they were like, yeah, great idea. Now, Let me tell you a little bit about the Harazi family. They are a really cool family, and this is why I think so. So the husband is from Middle Eastern descent. He's dark-skinned, he has dark eyes, and he's bald. The wife is from European descent. She's got red hair with tight curls, and she has an eyebrow ring, and she's really thin. And then they have four kids. So the oldest, who is a girl, and she's probably around 20, she wears black, and she has a few nose rings, and she wears a lot of jewelry, and she's light-skinned like her mom, like blondish reddish hair, but she has features like her dad. It's so cool. The next kid in line is a boy who's probably about 17, and he's also very light-skinned like the mom. He's blonde and he's tall, and he wears glasses. Then they have another girl and another boy, but these two kids are dark-skinned with dark eyes, and they have afros. No joke. (laughs) I mean, honestly, they are like the coolest-looking family I know, basically because their features are so very distinct, which is why I thought this would be an amazing costume. So I came home and I told my husband, who went for it, he is so easy, he flows with anything. And I told my two older kids that kind of rolled their eyes at me, but, you know, they went for it too. So great. So I started planning. Seriously, it was like October, and I already was thinking about the costumes. (laughs) I mean, I mean, honestly, it, it would be pretty easy It would be basically just wearing what they wear and get the right wigs and try to make those fake nose and eyebrow rings 
and figure out like who was going to be who. There really wasn't that much more to do, but my mind was like set on it. Come January, I was concerned I wouldn't be able to find the wigs that I wanted to here in Israel. And I had a friend visiting. So I ordered a few things on Amazon since Amazon doesn't ship to Israel. And she brought them to me. And then about a month before the holiday, we had guests over for lunch. We had our two teenagers that we adopted for the year. And they asked what our Purim plans would be. And I told them that we would be the Harazis. And I remember my older son and my daughter being like, no, Ima, we're not going to be the Harazis. It's a stupid idea. No one's going to think it's funny, just you. And I was like, yes, we are. We already decided and it's going to be great. And that was that. There was no pushback or anything at all. So I assumed we were moving forward with the idea. Then Friday night before Purim, which is like four days before the holiday, we're sitting having a Friday night dinner and I notice my daughter whisper something to my husband. She doesn't see that I see her. And then she turns to my older son and whispers something to him. And I knew. I just had that gut feeling, you know. I knew what this was about. And then she opens her mouth and says, Ima, we don't want to be the Harazis. And the two younger kids who were wrestling on the carpet chimed in, yeah, we don't want to be the Harazis. I was like, what? You guys loved the idea when I first thought of it. Yeah, well, now we don't want to do it. Ah, I, I I just stopped. I did not respond. I have to tell you, I'm getting really good at stopping after so many getting unstuck processes. I looked at my daughter and then I looked down and I thought about all the planning and the Amazon purchases and the fact that it was four days away and that we had a really, really cute costume idea and that she was bursting my bubble and I just allowed myself to feel disappointed and I started crying right there at the dinner table. And my daughter, right, she's 17, was like, oh, Ima, you don't have to cry. It's just a costume. And I said something like, you only think about yourself. Do you realize it's four days away? We had a plan. I don't feel like eating. I'm going to bed. And just like that, I went upstairs and I went to bed. I was really, really pissed and disappointed and angry and confused and upset. I just didn't feel like making any effort at all to get unstuck. I wanted to numb myself to sleep, which is what I did. And in the morning, that stuck feeling was still with me. And I thought about why I was stuck. I tried to uncover what was going on. There were so many reasons, really. That my daughter got everyone to gang up on me, that I paid for costume pieces already, that we wouldn't have a family costume after all, that my kids turned on me, that my husband didn't defend me, that no one respects or loves me, that no one can see how brilliant this idea is. 
Now, usually at this stage in the stuck method, you investigate those beliefs. You have to. You can't assume that everything you are thinking is entirely true. Most of our thoughts are not, and that's what usually gets us into these stuck spots. But I didn't have any desire to do that work. So instead, I reverted back to childhood and was passive-aggressive with my daughter all day. I wasn't friendly. I wasn't warm and loving. I was pissed, and I wanted her to know it. She caused the problem, and no one else. This was her idea. Later that day, I realized enough was enough. I knew she didn't cause the feelings I was feeling. I knew that those feelings were coming from within me. She could have done or said anything, and it was my choice in how I wanted to respond. I realized my thoughts weren't 100% accurate, and I considered that she's a teenager and she doesn't want to be embarrassed by her family. I mean, honestly, I totally can't see me dressing up with my family like when I was her age. No way! And while I considered it would have been nice had she told me a bit earlier and not so last minute, it really was fine. I was really making a drama out of nothing. I mean, you know, really, all things in perspective. And then, K, I held myself in self-compassion for getting stuck and for acting very immaturely. I spoke with my daughter, who ended up telling me that she tried to tell me many times that she didn't want to dress up as this family, but that I didn't listen. And when she said that, I was listening. And I considered the truth in her words. And while I don't remember her saying anything about that before the incident, I considered that I hadn't considered her. I considered that I was only thinking about myself. And I considered that I really hated myself in that moment if that was true. I don't want to be the kind of mother who doesn't listen to her kids. I considered trusting what was, as in, this was supposed to happen exactly as it did. Trust in what is. It's not that I couldn't have thought this. I totally could have, but I didn't want to. It wasn't worth it. And so I let it go. I told her that I was totally fine with it that we wouldn't get dressed up as a family and that we'll just wear whatever and it's really not a big deal. I mean, maybe I was still a little disappointed, but I really wasn't. It really wasn't a big deal to me anymore once I got unstuck from it. Now, before I go on with the rest of the story, I just want to pause for a moment and ask you to recall a recent stuck spot that you may have been in with another person a spouse, a child, a coworker, a neighbor, and see if you could have considered the other. In other words, could you have considered their perspective, their opinion, their suffering, their pain, their side of the story? So often when we get stuck, we only think about 
our side, which is how we stay stuck in the first place. Considering the other perspective can help us broaden our understanding of the story and see what other possibilities may exist. So back to the story. The night before the holiday, as I'm putting my two younger kids to sleep, my youngest one turns to me and says, Ima, I want to be the Harazis. (laughs) I kid you not. I'm like, what? Now you're deciding this the night before? Am I living inside of a comedy? Am I on camera here? My daughter wasn't home, so I told my son to text her. I was out of the story at this point. And I told him, if you use my phone, you text her and tell her this is not coming from me. My daughter responded and she wrote, okay, we'll be the Harazis. I'm like, oh my God, this is just crazy. But the funny thing is, once I was able to let it go completely, I didn't have a hold on the story anymore. I didn't care who was going to dress up as whom and what it would look like. I just went with it. My daughter, who apparently didn't like the idea from the beginning because I suggested that she dress up as the older daughter, actually wanted to be the bald-headed dad. And my son, who was going to be the older son, ended up putting on a bra and high heels and a nose ring to be the older daughter. My husband was the wife. That was a real kick. I was the younger daughter with the afro. And in short, it was super fun getting dressed up as the Harazis. And I'm not the only one who thought so. We all did. As we were getting dressed and we came downstairs and we looked at each other, we were laughing and laughing. It was so funny. And let me tell you, when we arrived to the holiday event, we made people laugh. People loved it. It was hysterical. And the Harazis, they got such a kick out of it. It made them laugh and laugh. And my daughter, at the end of the night, came up to me and said, you know what, Ima? That was a really good costume. And I just smiled. Isn't that a nice getting unstuck story? And a great one to end season one of the Getting Unstuck podcast. Yahoo! Can you believe that next week will be episode 100 and starting season two of the Getting Unstuck podcast? I am very excited to share with you and very excited to share what season two is going to look like, a little bit different than season one, and so much more, all starting next week with a special 100th episode where I'm actually going to be doing something new for the first time, an interview. Tune in next week to hear more about it. My friends, I want to thank you for tuning in today and for tuning in each week It is because of your support and your listenership that this podcast is growing and that more people around the world are practicing to get unstuck. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to wish you a great rest of your day. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.shiragura.com.